see you. Good to be back. Sweden is very nice, but it's so far away from you all. So um, we are going to have some announcements real quick and then prayer and praise. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, a couple months ago, we did something different with prayer and praise. We're going to do that again because we are a praying church. 
after we share prayer requests and and uh, celebrate celebrations, uh, praises, praise. Um, we're going to turn to those around us and we're going to pray in little pockets. All right. So um, when we get to that portion, please be uh, keep in mind all the prayer requests and praises that have been shared so that you can pray together. So when it comes to announcements, there is one big one this evening. It's it's big and blue. You can't miss it. Okay. There is a big pool party hosted by the children's ministry youth group. There is no youth group. We're going there because it's a pool party. It's going to be fun. And it's open to everybody, okay? So we'd love to have you join us. Uh, there's food. There is time to swim, all that good stuff. So please check that out. There is also a section that has all the upcoming ladies' events. Uh, please mark your calendars for those so that you can join in for the fun there. So um, prayer and praise, we have at least a microphone. Yes. So if you would like to share a uh, praise or a prayer request, just raise your hand. One of these gentlemen will come over with the microphone, and then in a few moments we will um, pray with those around us. Uh, hello. My, for my sister-in-law, Kathy, she, um, her lymphoma cancer treatments are going well, but they're going to stop those and start esophageal cancer treatments, radiation, and uh, and chemo. So that's coming up and said it's going well. So prayers for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, just a uh, prayer request for Mindy and my, our sister-in-law, Jenny Moore, who's a teacher over in Cal Wheat. Um, not only does she have back issues that she's been battling, but now they found a uh, thyroid that's uh, needing to have a biopsy of that up in her throat. Um, so just uh, prayers for her, too. I'll lift up uh, Dick Bowman. He's got um, COPD and, and respiratory, but anyway, he's on oxygen full time now. And uh, so if we lift him up, appreciate it. Well, it's a joy to have our family visiting with us this weekend some of them from the west coast and everybody each all of them are just west of us but it's, it's a joy to have them with us for this weekend and i also want to lift up i don't know if carolyn's carolyn's here that uh pray for her son chris uh, he had to go to the hospital i believe yesterday so um just lift up the chris in your prayers My grandma Connie's niece. And um, since this is close, there is an organization called Moms in Prayer, and um, it's an opportunity to pray for the schools. Um, and I'm going to be starting a group for that. So um, just wanting prayers for its startup and that it would go well. I'd like prayers for my brother Paul who's 81 years old, and he's just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And for my dear friend at the tower, who has just returned back to us after uh, going a lot of tests at the Iowa City Hospital. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Uh, please pray for Clementine's son, who was Michael. Uh, he was taken to the hospital. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I've heard he has appendicitis. Uh, please keep him in your prayers. Thank you. Um, I forgot one other thing. Katie Lincoln's friend's name is Dick, by the way. She didn't mention that, so pray for him. And a praise. 
We started out this year dry. It looked like it was going to be a devastating year for the farmers. And now it looks like it's going to be an abundant harvest. I know my garden and my yard, it's, it's the most, I said to my wife as we left, it's probably the most beautiful it's ever been in August. So praise God. we got to praise him for those things. Hi, um, I'd like to ask for prayers for Todd. He's having, um, an, and he has an appointment with the ENT on Thursday, and they're looking at the base of the tongue, so we'll um, get a clear idea if that's gone or not. If you can pray for my eyes one more time, I have another surgery Thursday. My sister got married in Sweden. Uh, Vincent is part of our family. He's a my wee brother-in-law, and didn't have to, you know, show him what's blood or anything. <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, we're really happy for him. And also, um, a couple months ago, I shared my dad was having brain surgery. Um, that went really well, and now with like click of a button, his his shaking, his tremors go away. It's amazing. Um, so praise God for that. to give a quick praise. Um, I recently had some health issues and everything's been taken care of. All medical bills. Big shout out. All right, so we're going to take some time and pray together. So if you'll turn to uh, those around you, um, lift up these prayer requests. In a few moments, I will close this in prayer, and we'll continue on with our worship service.
Father God, we thank you that we are able to come into your presence. We praise you that the veil is torn, that we can come into your holy of holies and offer up our praises, our petitions. We thank you that you hear us. As we continue with our service, God, I pray that you will help us to remember your mercy, your grace, and your holiness. Amen. If you would please stand. chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and sealed us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. to stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible reading is Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and in one has a, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, 
do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Please be seated. Okay, if kids want to go with Miss Bauer today. Thank all of you who have been helping with children's ministry and our Sunday school program as well as our children's church program. I know a lot of you moms and dads have been assisting with that. It's a great ministry. Thank you for helping Cindy, and Cindy, thanks for helping put all that together. Well, if you would join me as we go to prayer, let's thank our God for his word. Father in heaven, we, we come before you. Again, we stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only reason we're able to stand here today is because Jesus Christ has made provision for our sins. And so we stand on this good news. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your chesed, your kindness, your loving kindness that you've poured out upon us. As we come to your word, uh, we thank you for what you teach us here, for the examples that we find in scripture of godly men and women who, who walked with you, who followed you. We thank you for the examples of those who, who failed to follow you and who failed to um, live a life without faith in you. Uh, we thank you that uh, we can see these examples uh, of how not to go. And so as we come to your word, we pray that you would teach us. We pray that you'd help us to learn, uh, not just to fill our heads with facts and, and things that, um, that we can remember for the next quiz, but Lord, might we take these things. I pray that you'd help us to learn them in a way that we would live it out for your glory and for your honor, that Jesus Christ would be exalted in our lives. It's in his name we pray, amen. Well, how many of you here are middle siblings? How many middle siblings do we have? Wow, there's a lot of middle siblings. Uh, how about younger, youngest siblings? Okay, yeah. So you know what it's like to live in the shadow of somebody else, right? You know, you got this other person who, you know, why can't you just be more like, you know, they got, when they were in school, they, brothers and sisters are awesome. But sometimes it feels like everyone else is comparing, or, or at least in your own heart, you're comparing and you think everybody else is comparing. As we look through the scripture, the Bible highlights many different siblings uh, and their relationships throughout history. We have Cain and Abel. There's Jacob and Esau. Um, Joseph, and he had 10 older brothers. Imagine living with that. Um, Moses and Aaron and Miriam, even when they were well over 80 years old, we find them having their own problems. Over the New Testament, we have the sons of Zebedee, John, John and James. And then there's one of my favorite duos, two other brothers who were also among the 12, Simon Peter and Andrew. Andrew, uh, the disciple living in the shadow of a more energetic, more charismatic, more extroverted sibling. Andrew, and, and sometimes he's actually, when we look at the text, what's, the, what's he called? Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He was defined by his brother. Um, imagine living with Simon Peter. I mean, they lived in the same house. Imagine living under his brother's ministry and, 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 and living under that shadow. I, one of my favorite passages in Mark chapter 8, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, who do people, who do people say that I am? And their answers were all over the place, weren't they? John the Baptist, come back from the dead. You're Elijah. Uh, some people say that you're a prophet. But then Jesus poses the question that, that all of the book of Mark hinges on. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And who was it that spoke up? Yeah, Simon Peter. You know, for good or worse, um, Simon Peter was the one who answered, always. But, but on this occasion, Simon says, you're the Christ. You are the Son of God. And then there's Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. After Jesus ascended into heaven, who was it that stood up and, and, and preached to, to all the crowds? I mean, what a sermon, right? There's all these people speaking in tongues, and people in Jerusalem are going, what in the world is happening here? And Peter is the one who stands up, and he says, these people aren't drunk. It's early in the morning. What you're seeing here is the Holy Spirit come down upon these people, preaches this amazing sermon, and thousands of people respond and come to know Jesus Christ. And then there's Andrew. Why can't you be more like your brother? You know, this morning, we continue in our consideration of biblical compassion 
biblical chesed. But I, I'd like to take a different turn, as, and, and we're going to turn to a character study. And I'd like us to, to look at the life of, of Andrew. We have a, just a few passages, but there's this beautiful picture of who this individual was when we turn to, to the scripture. Andrew in the context of the ministry of Jesus. Uh, when, um, when the Gospels list the disciples, Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us a list of 12 apostles that followed Jesus and that were called by him. And these are the ones who he gave authority to, they ministered in his name, and Andrew is, is usually right at the front of that list. In, in Matthew, he's listed, he's the second one. And we come to Andrew, who's, who's listed second in Matthew 10 too. But other than this passage in, in, in this list, all we know about Andrew from the Gospel of Matthew is from Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, he says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Mark and Luke mentioned him about the same amount of time. But the first primary thing that we learn about Andrew in all the Gospels that we look at is that Andrew... Um, as we, as we look at him, was a, a person who followed Jesus Christ. And, and Andrew, Andrew himself was a follower of Jesus. Now, now it's of fundamental importance that we understand that, that following Jesus doesn't mean that you just go to church on Sundays and maybe do Bible, Bible study once in a while. I, I truly believe that Andrew wanted to walk where Jesus walked. He wanted to, to see the things that Jesus did. He wanted to hear the things that Jesus taught. And above all, he just wanted to be like Jesus. Being a disciple means being a follower of Jesus who has a clear vision of what lies ahead and where he is leading us, even when sometimes we don't know where that's going. Being a follower of Jesus says, Jesus, wherever you're going, I will follow you. Being a follower of Jesus means eternal life. Being a follower of Jesus means that, that we stop just asking ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? And we also ask ourselves the question along with that, will I do what Jesus did? And so are you a disciple? Uh, above, above all, first of all, when we look at Andrew, we have to ask ourselves the question, are, are we disciples of Jesus Christ? Here's a person who was a follower of Jesus, and he left everything to follow him. Do you follow Jesus in the same way? When he calls and says, you, follow me, will we drop everything and come follow him? And so in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we find out the same things about Andrew. We, we find out that he was a fisherman. He was uh, Peter's brother, and Jesus called them to follow him, and Andrew, we're told, left everything. Mark tells us that Andrew lived in, and he shared the house with Peter and his family as well. He, he was also one of the four that were present uh, when Jesus shared the Olivet Discourse. This was his teaching about end times in Mark chapter 13. And so who better to share with us uh, more about the life of Andrew than his good friend, John, um, who we're told was also a fisherman from Galilee. Uh, we know that John was one of the partners in the business. Uh, John records how Andrew was a seeker of the truth, and, and he gives us an account of Andrew even before he met Jesus, and he was already looking for the Messiah. Turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. We're going to be there in Sunday school as well, so I don't want to, uh, to take anything from Neil here. But uh, turn to John chapter 1 as we just look at the introduction to Andrew and, and how John introduces him. John chapter 1, verse 29, says the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you, what are you seeking? And, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where, 
where are you staying? He said to them, come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And so here we find Andrew, under the ministry of John the Baptist, we know that John the Baptist uh, was in the Jordan, and he was preaching a gospel. Of, of, he was preaching repentance. He was peop- preaching that people need to turn from their sin, change their attitude towards sin, change their perspective about what sin is and what that relationship is with sin. I mean, how cool would that be to, to witness the ministry of John the Baptist? I mean, here prophecy is being fulfilled, and there's this person out in the wilderness, and he dresses a little bit funny. I don't think he's creepy like a lot of people think he was. We call him Creepy John nowadays, but, but I think, you know, he was, um, he was somewhat normal. He wore some different clothes. He ate some different food, but, um, but, he was people, but he had people whom he was teaching, and he was discipling people. How would it have been to, to witness those events? And, and so to be Andrew, to, to hear of this one who's out in the wilderness preaching to, to turn from your sin, to repent from your sin, and he's baptizing, and, and to, to spend time with him and to watch that and to be taught by him, I mean, that would be, it would be amazing. Prophecy being fulfilled. And, and so we know that Andrew was John the Baptist's disciple, but when John the Baptist points out Jesus, What's the response that we find from Andrew here in John chapter 1? He leaps. He sees Jesus, and Andrew and the other disciple, who probably was John, um, they knew who to follow. There was no question about it. They followed Jesus. And this example is one that we must consider as we call ourselves disciples as well. We need to ask ourselves, what are the cool things in my life? Maybe not prophecy being fulfilled. Maybe not a preacher out in the wilderness that's the, 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 the direct precursor to the Christ. But what are the things in my life that, that are so important to me? What are the worthwhile things that I follow? What are the good things that I surround myself with? Do I follow those things first? Or like Andrew and his friend who are pointed to the Son of God, do we drop everything else and and say, I follow Jesus, and he comes first in my life above anything else. It's notable that Andrew, he was one of the first to follow Jesus, and and that alone makes Andrew a great character study. He's an example of of someone who got it. He left left John the Baptist. He, He left his nets and his fishing career Because Andrew got it. He saw that Jesus was greater than anything or anybody that this world has to offer. And so he chose to be a follower of Jesus. And when the option was presented before him, you know, I have this ministry of John the Baptist, an established ministry of of things that are happening. Or there's the Son of God. And he dropped everything to follow him. But more notable, even than that, it's more notable that Andrew was also the first to take Jesus to others. Andrew took others to Jesus. Uh, I'm going to jump over just uh, briefly in John chapter 1 still. Verse 40 says, One of the two who had heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, which we just discovered, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And, and so here is his own brother whom he shared everything with. He shared a business. He shared his home. Uh, and, and so the first person that Andrew goes to is Peter. Now, we always hear about Peter, don't we? You read through the Gospels, and there's a reason for that. It's because Peter is a lot like us. He sticks his foot in his mouth a lot. He, he speaks when he probably shouldn't be speaking. He, he, he leads the others. Um, a lot of great things in that. But uh, we hear about Peter a lot. Peter did this, Peter did that. But it's Andrew who led Peter to Jesus. Here's another passage where we find Andrew in the story. If you jump over to John chapter 6, verses 4 through 11. We're told the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a, a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? 
He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, here is Andrew again, Simon Peter's brother. Isn't it funny? He's, He's always called Simon Peter's brother. Andrew said to him, there's a boy here, and he has five barley loaves and two fish, but, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down, and about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Now we were in this passage a, f- a few weeks ago, but, but again, I, I, I want to draw us to the, 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 the fact that it continues to be Andrew who's bringing people to Jesus. If it's his brother who, who needs to hear about the Messiah, he brings Peter to Jesus. If it's, if it's the people who need food, hey, there's a little boy who has food, and he brings the boy to Jesus. It continues with, in this passage, with one of the greatest miracles of Jesus' ministry. But again, Andrew was the one who was always taking people to Jesus. Here's the heart of an evangelist. Here's the heart of uh, of one who wants to introduce people to the to the greatest person in his life who has brought the greatest news that, that mankind has ever known. There's one more passage. Let's turn to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, verse 20 it says, "Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks." Okay, so uh, there were what were called um, God followers, people from the the Roman Empire who would come to Jerusalem. And people who respected and worshipped the God of Israel, but they weren't part of Israel. And so they, um, they had to be somewhat on the outside. And, and here's these Greek speakers who come to Jerusalem. They're there for the festival. And so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. There was probably some sort of connection. that They thought, you know, Philip might be the guy who can, who can get us closer to Jesus. And they asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. But look who, what Philip does. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And, and so it's amazing that even before Jesus had been crucified, Andrew was taking Gentiles to, G, to see Jesus. You know, we put up barriers oftentimes, don't we? When, when, when we're told share the, God, the good news with people, bring people to Jesus. Well, what's our first response sometimes when the opportunity actually sits in front of us? We, we talk about the necessity of introducing the people, but, but then it happens, and you have this opportunity to talk to someone that you've been praying for, and, and in our hearts, we, we start making these excuses to not share the gospel with people. And, and it's, it's so incredible that that we have the greatest news in history and it's transformed our lives and yet we're afraid. Andrew, though, followed his Savior, the Messiah. And in Andrew's mind, if this was the way, the truth, and the life, then he was going to take others to him as well. Some opportunities come our way and they're as plain as the person who says, tell me what I have to do to be saved doesn't happen that way very often, does it? Others require us to pay a little bit closer attention. But, but I do know that the opportunities are there. And every day, the question is whether I'm going to see those opportunities that God puts before me. And then will I take them? After Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven, Andrew continued to minister to the early church to which he was one of the founding apostles. According to history and church tradition, uh, later after the persecution that broke out in Jerusalem, Andrew continued to share the gospel wherever he went. And church tradition tells us that he he went north. He spent time in Scythia, which is modern-day Georgia, um, in Russia, along the Black Sea. Uh, And then he ended up in Greece, apparently, it seems. And he was eventually, we're told, crucified on a cross after he had been stoned. Apparently, he had led the governor's wife to Christ, and somebody wasn't happy about that. And so, um, he was executed as a result. According to the stories, uh, they tied him rather than nailed him to the cross. And so, because of that, he, was, he hung there for two or three days. And according to the stories, 
as he hung there on that cross, people passed by. And you know what they tell us about Andrew? He exhorted the people walking by and told them about his Savior. Here's Peter, or it's Andrew, and he's, poor, poor Andrew, he's, I'm still calling him Peter. Here's Andrew, and he's, he's hanging there on a cross, and, and people are passing by, and he says, let me tell you about Jesus, why I'm here today. How much um, of the story is tr- uh, true, or we're, we don't know for certain. There's other legends that extend a lot further than that. But what we do know about Andrew is that wherever he went, he continued to take people to his Jesus. Andrew loved Jesus. He followed Jesus, and and that meant doing what Jesus did. He lived a a life imitating his Savior, and because of his great love for Jesus, he wanted other people to know. A disciple is a person who follows Jesus. We may not know where he's going to lead us, but we do know that we have eternal life in him. And we know that that he has a clear vision of what lies before us and where he's taking us. We're followers of Jesus. And being followers of Jesus means that like Andrew, we're called to take people to Jesus. There's a news article that was printed in the papers about four years ago. Uh, Rosalind Edwards was working in her kitchen on a Wednesday afternoon in October when she suddenly started hearing some strange noises that didn't belong in the house. When she turned around, she was stunned to discover that her border collie collie puppy, who was about five five to seven months old, uh, named Rocky, had proudly led nine sheep into her home. I don't know if you remember reading the story or hearing about it on Facebook or something, but this seven-month-old sheepdog in, in training had taken advantage of an open gate and an open door, and it ushered the sheep right through... Edwards' home in Devon via the back door. Mrs. Edwards said, I I thought it was funny at the time, uh, but then there was quite a lot of everything else everywhere. It took me a while to clean it all up. My son and husband had gone out into the field, and the gate was left open. Rocky got them out and led them to the house. I was in the kitchen, and I heard a noise. I turned around, and the sheep were just standing there. There were about nine of them. Mrs. Edwards added, Rocky did look quite pleased with himself but he's going to need some more training. He brought a whole new meaning to bringing the sheep home. You see, that's what followers of Jesus do. We may not always have the methods down, right? We we sometimes don't speak up because, well, what, what what are the exact words I'm supposed to say? I need to have an outline. I need this, I need that. And what if I mess things up? And Like Rocky, we, we might do things a little bit off, not quite like somebody else would do them. We may not have the methods down, but we bring the sheep. And we may bring the sheep into the kitchen where we're not supposed to bring them into, whereas we're supposed to bring them into the fold. But being a follower of Jesus means that we are called to bring people to Jesus. And there should bring, be nothing else that makes us more thrilled and more excited and to, to bring other people to the one that we love so much. You may feel sometimes like you live in the shadow of somebody like Peter. You may look at others, other believers, and and you think, I I could never speak like they do. I could never share the gospel the way that they tell it. But you were never called to be like them, were you? You weren't called to be your brother. You weren't called to be that person in your church. You've been called to be like Jesus. Jesus. And you've been called to bring people to him. As we're giving thought to the examples that we find in Scripture and in disciples, I ask you just three points of application to consider today. Number one, are you a follower of Jesus? when, When Andrew followed John the Baptist, John was preaching a message of repentance. Repentance is this idea of of changing your mind about something and and turning from the direction that you're going and the opposite way. And so when, when John preached this, this uh, preached repentance out in the wilderness, he was telling people, look, you have a problem with sin. And that separates you from God. And, and so he 
called people to turn from their sin, and he was preparing the way for the one that was going to come, Jesus. As we are followers of Jesus, the gospel means that, that I recognize what an what a awful state that I'm in because I am an enemy of God. I'm an enemy of his grace. In my sin, I have made myself, um, I, I've, I'm at war with him. And repentance means I am turning from my sin and I'm turning to Christ. I'm changing my mind about sin and my relationship with it. And I'm changing my mind about my relationship with Jesus. And I'm turning to him. And, and so becoming a follower of Jesus means first changing your mind about the sin in your life. I, I think there's a lot of people that say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I follow him. I prayed a prayer when I was five years old. I walked down an aisle. I did all these things. And the problem is, is that there's so many people who think that they have a relationship with Jesus, but, but what they've done is they've just, they've just put their faith in another God. And they haven't changed their relationship with sin at all. You see, Jesus was never somebody who saved them. They just believed that he did something. They believed that he existed. And there's so many people who... who haven't come to Jesus to save them from their sin because they really aren't convinced that they have a sin problem. And that repentance hasn't taken place at all. They haven't changed their mind about their sin and they haven't changed their mind about Jesus because they didn't understand who he was in the first place. Becoming a follower of Jesus means that I turn from my sin that, that has destroyed my relationship with God, has prevented me from having a relationship with God because I am dead in that sin. But in Jesus... We find life. Becoming a follower of Jesus means not only that we turn from our sin, but that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who, who do the opposite. There's, there's, some, there's some people who, who come to Jesus and, and they believe in some figure or they know facts about him, but they haven't acknowledged the sin in their life. But the opposite also happens sometimes. There are some who, who turn from their sin, but then they turn to something else. They, they try to, to prove themselves by their good works or they follow some other great religious leader that couldn't save them from their sin. Becoming a follower of Jesus means I turn from my sin, but, but I turn to Jesus and my faith is in him. My trust is in him. I recognize that I have this problem with sin that has separated me from a holy God and I am completely unable to save myself. There's nothing good that I can do. There's nothing that I can achieve. There's nowhere that I can go on this planet, no church building, no number of times that I do anything that will save me. But it is putting my complete confidence in the one who died on the cross and paid for my sin. And so becoming a follower of Jesus means that your trust, your faith, your belief is in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. And so one of the questions I ask of you today is, where are you at with Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I think there's a lot of people in America and around the world who claim to be Christians, but they have no idea who Jesus is or what he really did for them. There are a lot of people who know who Jesus is, and they know that he died on a cross, they know that he rose from the grave, they, they have all the facts. But they've never acknowledged the sin that's in their life and changed their mind about it and they've never turned to jesus himself there's a lot of people that are going through the motions but don't know jesus are you a follower of jesus and each one of us needs to examine our own hearts in that as we are as we come to know jesus and we decide to follow him when we place our faith in him that's the beginning of a journey and Following Jesus also means that we follow his teachings. And so I ask you also, second point of application today, like Andrew, are you following his ways? Are you listening to the things that he teaches? Are, are, you, are you reading and studying the scripture? As followers of Jesus, we have this amazing opportunity to have God's word in, in our hands, to, to read it daily, to, to find out the things that Jesus taught. We have so many opportunities to read, to study, to memorize scripture. And following Jesus means that we want to know what he says. We want to know what he thinks. We want to know what he says about my life and what God tells us about himself. A lot of things in this life that hinder us from that walk. They distract us from following Jesus. I, I love the example that Andrew gives to us. Andrew was a person who, he, he saw who Jesus was. 
He was told, here's the Son of God, and, and, and he dropped everything. He left John the Baptist. He left his occupation. He cast anything and everything aside that came in the way of following his Lord. And that should be our attitude as well, that I would long to spend time with him, that I would long to be in prayer, that I would long to grow in this relationship because a follower of Jesus. A third point of application that we have to consider as we, follow, as we look at the life of, of, of Andrew and, and how he followed Jesus, is that he brought people to Jesus. And so are you bringing people to Jesus? Are you telling them about your Lord who, who brought good news of salvation from sin? Good news of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ who died for us. God has provided a way that we could not provide. He has done what we could not do in that Jesus died on a cross he was buried and on the third day he rose again my friends this is good news and we need to be telling people about about him i uh, encourage you many times to um to start a fishing basket we're, we're called to be fishers of men right and so have those people in your life that you're praying for on a regular basis um, it can be a certain time of the day you can set your alarm on your phone it can be something you do once a week Something consistent, something regular, with you are praying for specific individuals and then praying for the opportunities that God might bring into your life to be the person that would share the gospel with them. And so have your fishing basket and, and be looking for those opportunities, not only looking for the opportunities, but praying for the opportunities for you or for someone else to share the gospel with those individuals. If we love Jesus and we are followers of Jesus, then we should long to bring other people to Jesus as well. last thing as we consider being a follower of jesus and bringing people to jesus is is that this is something that we're doing together uh, that the church is something that's bigger than just one one individual a and it's beautiful how god has equipped each one of us he's given us gifts he's given us abilities to, to minister to and be a part of the church and the church doesn't function the way it's supposed to when someone says eh, i don't really feel like doing what god's called me to do I don't really feel like serving in this way that God has specifically called me to do. And so are you playing your part in the church as well? So many of us live in the shadow of others around us. A family member, someone else that, that you serve alongside. And sometimes we think, well, what could I do? I love the example of Andrew because here's a person who himself was a follower of Jesus, and that meant following Jesus no matter where he took him, because Jesus knew where he was going, because Jesus knew where that was going to be. But it also meant for Andrew that he took others to Jesus, and that's the example that we also are to follow. Father, we thank you for these men. We thank you for people like Andrew who loved you, who understood his sin. He understood how he was separated from your grace, but, but Father, he. When he saw the Son of God, he dropped all and he followed you. Teach us what it means to be disciples. Teach us what it means to follow Jesus, to listen to his teachings, to lead other people to those teachings. Might you glorify yourself in our, our lives, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?
together with you, and even just seeing everybody praying together, uh, it's just a heartwarming moment, and that's just uh, what we should be called to as a church. And so uh, after, so this concludes our service, uh, please join us for a time of fellowship through the double doors out into the fellowship area, and then afterwards we'll have Sunday school. Uh, let me close in prayer. Dear me, Lord, we thank you for this day. Again, we thank you for that this togetherness. But we're not called just to be together within these walls. We pray, Lord, that when we go beyond these walls, that we can uh, use the wisdom that you shared today, like Andrew, to be able to just have this contagious passion to share with others about the wonderful, the best news that we've been given, and that is Jesus Christ. We also just want to lift up all the all the things going on in the world right now, as we talked about prayer requests, just all the, the healing that's needed, uh, but also the praises of togetherness, of family, that we all could just be activated to just be in tune to those, to be emotionally and spiritually available, to be able to step into those needs, to be able to uh, care, to be able to love, and to be able to share about that great news. In Jesus' name, amen.